Welcome to episode 64 of Coffee and Co-Read, your source for all things literary, with Kristen and Catherine, where we believe there's nothing better than a hot coffee and an awesome book. Join us for a virtual book club where we take one book a month and dive into all the drama, adventure, and romance we can find. Hey, Kristen. Hi, Catherine. Yes, so last week... Uh, in our preamble, <laughs> we talked about some new shows that were coming out and how we felt about them. So this week, Kristen wanted <laughs> to talk about, um, I guess it is a would you rather question, uh, but would you rather have your favorite book turned into a movie slash TV show or not? So this is like a highly controversial (laughs) question yeah and in all fairness I feel like I'm leaning more towards the not Mm -hmm. because I feel like there are certain requirements in order to make uh, movie slash TV shows successful. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like it's doing a disservice to the book if you're only trying to get the audience who reads the book to watch the TV show or movie, right? Like, if you really want it to be successful, your goal is to get a wider audience into the material other than just the fans of the book. Yeah. So that means that they obviously have to change things, fix Mm -hmm. things around to make it entertaining and to make it understandable for a wider audience of people. Mm -hmm. And again, obviously, there's so much detail in books. There's no way to include all of it in a movie or a TV show. So, automatically, you're getting a watered-down version of the book, like, regardless. Um, and you're getting either a lack of certain things, like, for example, in the Harry Potter series, when they left out that whole Marauder story. Yeah. Like, that was unfortunate, because that was really clever. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. you know, leaving out that whole... Um, the whole thing with Hermione fighting for the house elves, mm-hmm. right? The whole nearly headless Nick situation. There's so much stuff that had to get left out of the story that was deemed non-essential, but that really made the story clever, yeah. right? In the City of Bones, the Mortal Instruments movie, um, with I think it was a it was a Lily Collins was in it. Yeah. And Jamie Campbell Bauer, Bauer, who has since skyrocketed to fame in Stranger Things, um, that, like, I had such high hopes, and they did so well at the beginning of that movie, but then they turned everything around at the end, and, like, I understand why, because if you didn't read, they needed to make it not such a cliffhanger in case they didn't get a sequel, which they didn't. But the reason they didn't get a sequel is because everybody who went to see it loved the books, and then they got disappointed with the ending because it was so different. Yeah. 
So, like, it's such a balance of you want to make a story that will get in more than just the book crowd, but at the same time, you have to please the book crowd. And a lot of times you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And people try, and I'm usually disappointed. Yes. And I think that's even what... So I listened to a interview with the person who helped adapt the Vampire Academy um, TV show. And she also worked on the Mortal Instruments um, TV show. Um, Shadowhunters TV show. Right. Um, on Netflix. Which, yeah. Which uh, was better than the movie. Yes. I, I didn't get through it, but... I didn't either, but it was still better than the movie. Yeah, it was. Um, so she was actually, there's a podcast where they rewatch that show, and it is um, the two, it's Clary um, and Jace from the TV show. The mm-hmm. actors watch it. So Catherine McNamara and... Um, Dominic Sherwood. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so they, they rewatch the episodes, but then they also had an interview with, I, I forget... I forget what she does. She could be a writer. She could be a showrunner. I honestly can't remember. But she was just talking about how she's helped develop both of them. Mm-hmm. And she said, because Dominic Sherwood was also in the Vampire Academy movie. Movie, yes. So it was something that he brought up. Like, he wanted to talk to her about because, obviously, like, he yeah. has a special spot in his heart for Vampire Academy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just interesting because she was talking about how they were changing things so that it would be entertaining to people outside of the fandom, which I completely understand. And like, that is the issue with TV shows is you, you can't really throw too much information at people. And with shows that are fantasy based and they're based off books, it's generally, there's so much world building that we just read through because it's a book. Yeah. (laughs) It's easy to do it. And sometimes it does feel like you're being overwhelmed. Like Crescent City. Yes, I was just thinking about it. Yeah, there's so much world building in that that like we did that on this podcast as well. And like most books that we read, because like we tend to read fantasy romance more so. Um, So the fantasy isn't as heavy. But Crescent City is definitely more fantasy heavy than most books. There's more world building. But it wasn't like, in a lot of the world building we read, it's like the character thinks about this and then we hear about it. But in Crescent City, there was more like just information up, information up, information up. And it it kind of felt a bit out of place, but she kind of had to do it because how else are we going to know? Yeah. I don't know how you do that in a show. Yeah. Period. It would just be... Well, I guess the the only good thing about with a show is you wouldn't have to talk about it. You could just show it in the background. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes me think about the opening scenes of Vampire Academy where they tried to explain too much in the title sequence. Yes. Oh, my God. I don't think it was the title sequence, but whatever. The first show where they were like, this, 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 this. And you're like, this is too much. I've read the books and I don't know what the fuck you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, no, 100%. I I agree with you. Yeah, so it is... my. I think my thing for this question is if it is my favorite book, I don't want to see it turned into one. But if it's a book that I like 
and I find interesting and my heart isn't like sold and in <laughs> love with the book to like everything about it is perfect, then I would love to see a movie or show. And like a great example of that of that is like from Blood and Ash. I, I'm excited to see a show about that because I liked the book mm. and there's a lot of key things in it that I'm like, that would be really cool to see, but I'm not like, I'm not like die hard about it. Like nothing about this can change. I think it would actually make a really good movie or show, but then like Throne of Glass, if they changed the characters and like, I, I think of Ginny from Harry Potter, like book Ginny was badass bitch <laughs> and movie Ginny just kind of fell flat because like she didn't have the same development because you don't get as much time with the side characters which I completely understand it's a movies um but yeah I I think that from Blood and Ash could be cool but I, I do think my answer for this is probably no for yeah. my favorite if we're actually talking favorite favorites yeah the only thing that I can think of though is that and I almost want to say, like, it would be so cool to see, like, the casting choice. But at the same time, like, for me, for example, with Akatar, to see Feyre and Resand cast as characters, like, from actors, would be so cool. But what if they, like, make the wrong choice? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it is one of those things where it's like, I would love to see who they cast, but at the same time, I don't. Because if they pick someone that I think is not suitable, that's also a problem, right? We have these ideas yeah. of what the characters look like, even yeah. from, like, looking at fan art. Yeah. Like, even if you look at the Feyre recent fan art, Reese has, like, a not the same look, but a similar look the whole in all the fan art yeah like he doesn't look super different yeah so like how are they going to replicate that because mm -hmm. now everybody when they think of reese they think of that guy from the fan art exactly. so like how it, there's no way you can find an actor who looks identical my biggest fear for this series being turned into a tv show actor specifically Feyre is 18. Is she actually 18? Yeah, she's 18. I think so, yeah. So she needs to look like an 18-year-old. Yeah. Reese needs to look like an at least 30-year-old. At the bare minimum, he needs to look in his 30s, in my opinion. Yeah. I could see mid-20s. No. Because, like, they grow to adulthood and then they stop. So I could see, like, mid to late 20s. Maybe. I I just think that I'm going to be annoyed that he looks too young. Yeah. But then it's also going to be weird because, like, if he doesn't look young enough, then how is he pairing with an 18-year-old? So I just think I'm going to be d disappointed no matter what they do. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, I think both of us agree. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe maybe leave the books as books. Mm -hmm. 
The only benefit I will say is that a lot of times, especially so like I found, um, I studied the Hunger Games this year with my, one of my classes, my English mm-hmm. class, and them watching the movie really got them into it. So like, then they wanted to read the next book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's how I got into Hunger Games is we went to see the first movie in theaters and then we went downstairs and I bought the three books in a like little packet. Set. Yeah. Set. Yeah. And like there are some good ones. There are movies that I almost feel like I need to see the movie and then read the book to appreciate the movie. Because yeah. I need to have like a blank slate. <laughs> I can't go in and be like, why didn't they do this? So, yeah. But yeah, we are in agreement. <laughs> So, just a heads up, we're not a spoiler-free zone, and things might get saucy this week. Hmm. I can't really remember what happens this <laughs> um, Okay, so this week we're doing chapters 15 to 23. It's our third week of Neon Gods by Katie Robert. Um, last week, uh, Hades took Persephone to the sex dungeon. To show everyone that she is his and not Zeus's. Um, they don't actually go on the stage as they planned, um, which is a surprise to Persephone. Mm-hmm. But Hades has sensed that Persephone isn't really ready for that big of a show. Which is like very nice of him, but I also was like, why can't you just tell her so she's not terrified as she walks in, but go off. But do you think maybe he was, like, playing it by ear and was more like, hmm, we'll see, like, if she's not super stressed, maybe we'll, maybe we'll go on stage. But if she is, maybe we'll just go to the... Um, he made phone calls while she was taking a nap last week, and I feel like that was to set up the show. But, like, maybe if they had walked in and she was feeling great, he would have been like, well, I'll pay you guys anyway, but we're the ones putting on a show, not you. So maybe. Right. Yeah. They could have. Yeah. Um... So they end up sitting on a throne and putting on quite the show from there. Mm-hmm. And she rides him until he come, until she comes. He doesn't come at all, but he does promise her more. Mm. Yeah. So this week we start with Hades' point of view. And he wants to take her upstairs and forget the party and make her come again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's one of those, one of those fictional men. Yes, who want women to come like ten times before yes. they do. Yeah. I would be too tired, honestly. I'd just be like, Okay, let's let's do you now and and, and then take a nap. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> but they're still sitting on the throne at the moment and Persephone kinda like cuddles into Hades and he's enjoying it, but he's like, No, we need to play court. Um very, very Reese, very favorite Reese, like, you yeah. can't cuddle me, we need to hold court and act, act mean. Yeah, it's, uh, he is Hades. Mm-hmm. I guess Reese is kind of Hades, too. Yeah. Um, she asks if he's gonna make it up to her later, and, like, of course he is, that's, like, all he wants to do. Um, the very pretty man from the stage comes up. And it's Eros, who is Aphrodite's son. And we're in Hades' mind, so we get that, like, Eros does um, Aphrodite's dirty work so that she keeps her hands clean. And apparently he's dangerous, so I guess he kills people. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so um, wait, he was the one. He was the one on stage having sex. I think so. That's given kind of the what I took given the it. show. Okay. Yeah. Fun. Um. Yeah, and he's also the one of the main characters in the second book, and um, he turns out to be pretty interesting. Um, he tells Hades and Persephone that Persephone is apparently pissing off a lot of people in the upper city, and hmm. how? Like this? This was not their first. Was this? This was their first public performance. Yeah. How? How was she pissing everyone off already? Just because she said no and ran away? Well, just because she ran away, because she did say yes, <laughs> she just ran away. <laughs> um, Yikes. <laughs> Hades almost, like, steps in and says something, but before he can respond, the ever-sassy Persephone <laughs> says that <laughs> the people in the upper city are pissing her off. Um, bum, bum, bum. Right? You go, you go, girl. Right? Um... Eros does tell her that Zeus is on is unhappy, which is not surprising, but he says it's in everyone's best interest to keep him happy. But she says, like, she doesn't care if he's happy, and to give her regards to Aphrodite, because she's done such a good job at, like, managing Zeus's emotions, like, forever, I guess, so she can keep doing that. Like, leave that as her job. Which is a weird, like, I don't think we ever get anything else really into it about Aphrodite managing Zeus. Well, I guess because next week something happens that it's redundant. But, um, Eros then apparently tells them that he's just there for fun. So he goes over to a couple on a couch and they all get naked and start having some of that fun. Woo! <laughs> Persephone is annoyed with people spying on Hades and using his hospitality to act out fantasies that are frowned upon in the upper city. And she's like looking around and there are so many people that she recognizes from parties in the upper city. And she's just like, I don't understand. You're supposed to be a myth. Why do all of these people know about you and nobody, like nobody talks about you really? Because she didn't realize he was actually real. Yeah. So he tells her that Zeus wants it this way, and she knows, like, it gives Zeus more power if they think that he also controls the lower city. Uh, but, like, I guess it just goes to show that, like, Hades is not allowed to leave the lower city. But I feel like, couldn't, like, somebody else from the lower city, like, just to take away that power... Could somebody else in the lower city not, like, go across to the upper city and leak that Hades is a real person to take away some of Zeus's power? Like, wouldn't that be a good idea? You would think. Because, like, I'm assuming it's part of the treaty that they're not supposed to know he's real. But I don't really understand why. I just feel like there should be a workaround. Like, yeah. if you want to take some of Zeus's power, which seems like something that Hades would want. Yes. Seems like his main goal. Yeah, to like slyly make it so that somebody like maybe takes his picture without his consent, quote unquote consent, and like brings it to the upper city and is like, hey, look, Hades is real. Yeah. Like calls the newspaper and says, I've got a juicy scoop for you. The gossip mags. And by right? mags, I mean sites. Yeah, it's funny yeah. because... <laughs> 
our last Persephone Hades book, um, they also didn't like taking his picture. He wouldn't yes. let his picture be taken. Yeah, your your comment then just made me think about that Hades not wanting his picture to be taken. It's kind of funny. Just mm. a callback. Um, <laughs> so Hermes and Dionysus come up now to Hades' throne. And Hades, I guess, in his head is thinking that Hermes will sometimes join in with the festivities here. But mm-hmm. Dionysus doesn't ever join in, and he thinks, um, I keep saying says, but it's in his head. It's hard to differentiate, but his vices don't include sex of any flavor. So I'm assuming that does mean that he's asexual. So, um, It just, I feel like the author is not working hard, because I, I honestly, it doesn't seem like she's working super hard, but no. like making obvious choices to uh be inclusive in terms of people's sexual preferences yes and it's hard because like a hundred percent like this author does also write books that have um like not I don't, I haven't, I've read a few of her books, and I've not read any of them where the relationship is just, like, two men or two women. Like, I've read some books that have, like, a throuple where there are two men, and they enjoy each other as well, but mm-hmm. it is a throuple. Um, and, like, I've read another one of the ones that I read, it is, like, there is moments of... Um, women going down each other and like those sex scenes do have like inclusivity in them as well but I think as a like blanket statement most of the books are more a man with a female like Mm -hmm. they're mostly yeah traditional we'll say traditional romance yeah that being said I haven't read any of her monster books she has like monster um, once, so, like, that's just its whole other thing. Um, I do have one on hold out in Libby, so I'll get into those eventually. But, yeah, I think she is, like, aiming for the, the group of, I'll just say, women readers who read romance who want a male-female relationship with a happily ever after. Yeah. So... Like, I, I appreciate that she's throwing this in, and, like, we, I think we talked about it last time it came up, too, and there's an instant that I think comes up next week about Hades' past as well. Um, and I appreciate that it's thrown in there, but it does kind of, it kind of feels like it could be, like, pandering to people. Yeah, that's, yes. Yes. And, like, and how do you do it without pandering to people? So, like, I I don't know. It's such a hard line. And I, I don't know what the right way to do anything is. Because, like, the people that are reading this book are looking for that male-female happily ever after. Not everyone, obviously. Like, but that's that's generally what a large majority of the market is. Yes. 
so I, I do understand it. And, like, peppering in these other, like, past relationships with two female characters and someone who is asexual, potentially. And then, like, I, I get it, and I think that it does help. And it is representation, but it's hard to think that it isn't... It's hard to not be a bit, like... Are you just doing this for the sake of doing it? Like, yeah. I don't know. Well, and then then it gets hard because so you want to say, well, like, how about instead of having like that person be off to the side, why don't you have one of your more central characters be like have a you know a, a same sex relationship or something? Yeah, but then you are gonna get hate from. And, like, you're going to get hate no matter what you do. Well, of course. <laughs> if she decided to do this story and it was Hades was a woman and then we yeah. had a girl on, like, a, a female female relationship. Mm-hmm. And then she tried to write all the sex scenes anyway with, like, two females. I'm not judging, but I, I, I'm not 100% sure. But I think she is a hetero cis woman, Katie Robert. But, like, then you're going to get the, um, then you're going to get the people being like, well, she is not, she has no experience, so she's, what she's writing is not accurate, and she shouldn't be writing what she doesn't understand and what she doesn't know, and blah, blah, blah. Right? Like, so you're going to get hate on both sides. So, like, if you do a traditional hetero couple, men, woman, you're going to get hate for, well, you're not being diverse but then if you try to be diverse you're gonna get well you're not doing it right yeah which is my biggest fear for sarah j mass in upcoming series with more who is a lesbian character um i just worry and i do worry because like it I'm not saying that you can't write about something if you've never done it. Obviously, she writes battle scenes. Obviously, you can write about things that you haven't done. Um, but is it is it good? Not good enough. But is it like is it real representation? Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. Now, I've heard. I've actually read about this, and a lot of fans anyway have made the suggestion that if she writes for the female on female relationship and this I guess goes for because like again I've seen this question pop up a lot like and there's a it's an ongoing argument you cry out for representation but yet like people are getting upset well she needs to write about lesbian a lesbian couple which is fine but she's not a lesbian so like what do you normally write we always say authors write what they know yeah i am again cis hetero white woman Mm -hmm. so if i am going to write a book i'm gonna write a book on things that i know yeah i know my experiences so same thing with authors like this who are like cis hetero people yeah. They write what they know. So, like, people are then going to get upset that maybe they haven't written the scenes correctly. So, I've actually seen a lot of fans suggest to SJM 
um, that if she does, if and when she does write the sex scenes for a woman on woman encounter, mm-hmm. to maybe like get it checked by. Yeah. But that also feels weird. Like, I need to hire a lesbian to read my sex scenes and see if they are accurate, please. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> and, like, it's kind of it's kind of what we're doing here. We're, like, talking about the representation in this book, and we're like, is it enough? Yes. And it's, like, it is representation, but it is such a, it's such a conversation, because, like, I don't know. I do kind of enjoy, and, like, Sorry, I'm going on, I'm skipping over thoughts in my own head and ignoring them. But, say in 50 years, I don't know how long, but say in 50 years someone's reading this book, and they're like, Persephone talks about a past relationship with a woman. Maybe that won't be a big deal. Maybe, maybe like, most people will have relationships with, like, yeah. And maybe it'll just be completely normal to hear that and maybe that's what I guess that is what we're hoping for obviously that eventually the world will get there it's just not there yet so it it is kind of like you kind of want to know the author's intentions and it's so hard because like I know she is writing a book for people who read male female romance so I came in knowing it was male female romance if I want to read a female-female romance or a male-male romance, I can do that. I just have to go to an author that I know writes that. Or, yeah, the book that I know is writing that. Because, like, like I said, she does have, like, thruples where there is male-male connections that I've read. And I don't know about her other books. Like I think we said before, she has many books. So... Yeah, that's just a whole big thing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Representation yeah. is hard, and I don't know the right way to do it. And it's so, it's also different because it's not like the books that we grew up reading didn't have representation. So now when it's in books, it's also very like obvious. Yes. And it does make you think like, oh, is this just because or would your book have always been like this? Or, like, is it because of the times that we're in? Like, it's, it's hard. 100%. That's all there really is to it. <laughs> yeah. Now, the only thing I will say is that this author has... I think that she's got a particularly great topic for introducing um, representation because she's talking about Greek gods and goddesses. And, like... If anybody is known to fuck around, like, <laughs> like yeah. they they fuck around with animals, like you know what I mean, yeah. like in mythology. So I feel like if anybody can safely be asexual or bi or be in a throuple, it's Greek gods and goddesses. So yeah. you know, I think playing around with it is actually to her benefit here. Yeah, and I think like if her gods and goddesses were immortal it would which yeah. is, that's another one of my like when they vampires are immortal and they're like talking about their past relationships you're like is this this just pandering or is it like but i do think if you're immortal you're probably gonna get bored with the same old same old and try everything yeah so yeah anyway 
<laughs> after that tangent. So, Dionysus, asexual, good to go. Pretty sure. Or maybe he just doesn't like the idea of sex in public because... Maybe. I don't know if I'd be okay with sex in public. Yeah. Like, it really, it really gets Persephone going. Like, thinking about, like, she loves it. And I, I don't, I don't know if I would feel the same. I guess it depends, because, like, we don't have places like this. No. That I know about. (laughs) Um, yeah. But yeah, so Hades did say his vices don't include sex of any flavor. So I do think that is a sly way of saying that Dionysus is asexual. Um, so Dionysus tells two people to move and then he like steals their chair and moves it closer to Hades and Persephone, which is kind of a dick move, but I also love, um, Hermes like tries to give Hades some advice and tells him to back off Zeus but Persephone gets super defensive. But then Hermes is like, we didn't mean to like bang Zeus's fiance in front of 50 people when we said you needed to like live a bit more. Um, and she says that like all the people there are like frothing at the mouth to tell Zeus about it. And Hades makes a joke that like Hermes and Dionysus are probably going to go tell him too. Mm-hmm. And like, he's not wrong. And Hermes, like, blames, and I say blames with quotation marks, but blames Persephone for the joke. And Persephone tells her that maybe she'd know that Hades jokes if she ever stopped talking long enough to let him speak. (laughs) Which I do love that line. But she's, like, in this moment, she's super defensive of Hades. It's kind of, it's a bit, a bit excessive, almost. I don't know. I just... She's got her claws out. But, like, I also feel like she's been seeing how he's living and sees how alone he is. And, like, I guess technically she's also seen, I believe, Hermes and Dionysus. She knows that they visit sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, like, I feel like maybe she was expecting a bit more support considering they think of themselves as his friend. As his friends. So, yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, she's already getting protective, defensive, and very, like, attached almost, Mm. which is interesting, because this is only for the winter. Yes, yes it is. Um, Hermes then says that she's in love with Persephone, and calls her a delight, (laughs) which I do (laughs) like, because... I she love do- a woman standing a woman, like, yeah. big fan. She doesn't, it doesn't end up like a cat fight, like, getting, mm-hmm. you know, she's not pissed off that she sort of called her out. Yeah. Um, and Hermes also says that Persephone is making Hades more human, mm-hmm. and he's making her more interesting, which is good for both of them, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's also, like, I think Persephone was interesting. She was just putting on a persona for people, so yeah. it's a... It's a Mm-hmm. Um, Dionysus then tells them that Zeus apparently destroyed an entire room when he heard that she was in the lower city and Persephone starts to worry about her sisters and Hades kind of realizes I don't I don't understand how he jumps to this he's like oh she's worrying about her sisters 
without having a conversation with her. And then he's like, I should have done something about them. And I'm like, how do you know that that's what she's thinking about? He knows her so well after just, like, a week. Of They're course. besties. Like, they can read each other like books. <laughs> just yeah. from a look on the face. When when she's looking forward and he's above her, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they kind of talk about, like, if war happens, that it'll put a damper on things. And Persephone is kind of confused because... She doesn't understand how war could happen. Hmm. Um, But I guess Hermes and Hades kind of explain that, like, if Zeus breaks the treaty, the 13 are supposed to go against him, but we all know that they won't. Like, at least a third will be on his side, and the others could kind of go either way. And Hades knows, like, if he were to actually break the treaty himself, then all the rest of the 13 would go after him. So it's not really fair, but he's Zeus. What do you expect? Yeah. Um, Hades then is like, fuck this. So he picks up Persephone to take her upstairs. He's like, I'm done. Woo! So then we jump to Persephone's point of view, and she, like, she really wants to dislike him carrying her, but she actually loves it. But she does still kind of complain about it. I would also really like it. Like, I'm sorry. If somebody wanted to pick me up and carry me everywhere, I'd be like, yes, please. Yeah. No, I get it. (laughs) Um, She then tells Hades she knows his secret. It's that he cares. (laughs) (laughs) This is like, he's not the villain I need him to be. He's not a villain. At all. This is the villain. Yeah. But I also think, like, in Greek mythology, this is the thing. Like, Zeus is a terrible person. Oh, true, yeah. Right? Like, and I think Hades is actually not as bad as, as, yeah. yeah, So, you know, it just seems like they're just trying to right the wrong that modern (laughs) culture has made Hades out to be. It's the actual literal devil, yeah. Yeah, right? (laughs) And he's not. I get it. But also, just love a villain. I know. God, but I, I want know. them to stay a villain. You need to write. You need to write something where someone ends up with Zeus and he's a terrible person, but they still end up together. Yeah, I don't think it could be about <laughs> Zeus. I have to change their names. But see, I feel like the book I'd want to write. I don't know. Nobody else would like it because it would be so sketch. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Maybe one day. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So she tells him that he cares more than most people. He cares about his people and his people respect and love him. Which, like, we've seen when they've been out. Like, it's true. He then brings up her mother and she's like, wait. He's hiding something. So he eventually tells her about Demeter's ultimatum that we uh, heard about last week. Um, Hermes delivered it and said that um, Demeter said that she's going to cut off supplies to the lower city if he doesn't return Persephone. And Persephone is like shocked that her mother could be so cruel. Mm. And like, yes, dude, she sold, she, 
she sold you into marriage basically without telling you like to a murderer yeah to a murderer why are you shocked that she's gonna do a bunch of shit to people she doesn't even love or care about yeah yeah (laughs) uh but obviously persephone being the heroine of this novel is like i need to go back immediately i can't let this happen and we get the quintessential scene that we always get when these conversations happen, where he asks her if she actually wants to go back, and she does admit that she doesn't want to, and he says, well, you're not, I'm not going to make you go back. If you don't want to go back, then I'll do everything in my power to keep you here, basically. It's like, it's 101. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but he also says that, like, they knew that this was always a possibility. At some point, he was going to piss someone off, and they were going to do this. So he has an under-the-table agreement with Triton to keep his people fed. So Triton is going to, like, ferry food in for them without other people knowing so that he doesn't have to depend on Demeter. Who's Triton? I think he's uh, Poseidon's son. Okay. I'll buy that. It it sounds right, because Triton is a very... Triton is Ariel's dad. Yeah, I was just going (laughs) to say that name. (laughs) King Triton. Yeah. And it's just funny. His name is Triton, and he is a trident. He was the son of the sea god Poseidon, and his wife... Can't. Uh... Is it Amphitrite? Might be. That's... A-M-P-H-I-T-R-I-T-E. I feel like it's amphit. If, you amp- can, if you're good at picturing it, when people spell words, my brain goes, it doesn't, <laughs> you can't keep them all in there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's Poseidon's son, but obviously Poseidon doesn't know about it because he probably wouldn't go against the others, I assume. Although Poseidon seems to, like, keep to himself. Um, so then Hades and Persephone kiss and she tells him she needs him and he says he wants her naked and he's not about to wait. And if you remember last week when she was sitting on the throne in his lap and she was watching Eros bind up the woman on stage, she looked at her outfit and she was like, oh, all of these cords are reminiscent of like bondage. Like, not cords, but, like, the laces around her outfit. Oh. Yeah. So, she has, a lot, she has a lot of laces on. I think she even said it took her 20 minutes to get the outfit on. So, he just takes, a like, a pocket knife. And he cuts all the straps off. So hot. It is so hot, but I also am like, how much did that cost? <laughs> <laughs> it's one time wear. I was also thinking that, but we are Poe, so. Okay. That's true. Yeah. I guess if someone wants to buy me lingerie and then cut it off me, then go for it. (laughs) Um, Hades goes to turn off the light, and Persephone doesn't want them off, but he ignores her, like, asking that. And then once the light is off, Hades strips and comes towards her, and she feels rough scars on her skin. But then they're kissing, and she forgets all about them, and he puts her hands on the headboard, I guess, above her head, and he tells her to keep them there, 
and she wants to touch him, but she's also like so horny that she's like, <laughs> I'll agree to anything if it gets this dick in me. <laughs> so he goes down on her and he feasts, which is not what it says in the book, but it's a common thing. Yeah, to say. yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, like the description basically is that. Does it taste and like honeydew? I don't know. <laughs> we don't get the taste, which I'm fine with. Yeah. <laughs> um, she wants to last, but he puts two fingers in her and she just comes immediately after that. And she asks to touch him now, and she knows that there's, like, some reason he's asked her not to, like, touch him. Like, her hands are on the headboard for a reason. Yeah. And she did feel all the scars. Um, but he does let her. He puts her hands on his chest, and she can feel the scars all over his chest. And she thinks... There's another moment of, like, how does she know what he's thinking? But she thinks, like, he was afraid she would reject him. So that's, like, why he wouldn't let her see him or touch him, which is true. But I think she's also, like, she knows too much. And I think that's the author, like, if you're going to write in people's point of views, I don't like when characters guess too much about what the other character is thinking. And, like, this kind of is a bit, like, it's a bit far for me. Because she's right on the money. (laughs) Um, but she kisses him then to kind of show, like, I am not afraid of your scars, I want to touch you, I, whatever. Yeah. And he takes out a condom, and she asks him to promise she can have his cock in her mouth soon, but she's too needy for him right now to, like, do that now. Um, so he tells her she can kneel and ask anytime, and if he wants to, he'll agree. So that's good. I'm sure we'll get that scene soon. Yep. (laughs) And then they start to have sex and he orders her to touch herself and come for just him and not the audience like she did earlier. Mm -hmm. And she, of course, does. And he kisses her as she comes and comes like shortly after, um, which I'm always a fan of. Uh, She... We're in her point of view, but I don't really understand this part completely she like thinks he's about to leave and she panics and she's like stay with me and he agrees to stay but i think he was just getting up to like get a cloth or something or go to the bathroom whatever but she thought he was gonna leave even though this is his bed um (laughs) (laughs) it was just kind of interesting she like panics at this moment and like he can tell that she's panicking um, but he does stay. I just, I didn't really understand why she started to panic. Um, but anyway, she does think she will eventually leave him because that is her plan. She's eventually going to leave Olympus. So obviously she's going to leave him and that hurts her. And she knows staying with him isn't freedom, but she is sad about like the thought of leaving him. So she plans to enjoy every second to the fullest. And then she falls asleep. (laughs) So we jump over to Hades' point of view, and he wakes up with the sun, and Persephone is lying in the bed, and he, sorry, she is still asleep, and he wants to wake her up with his mouth, but he looks down at his chest and the scars on it, and he decides against it, because he doesn't want her to see them. Uh. Yeah. 
Which is, like, it's super sad, but I'm also, like, I don't know. I, I get it, I guess. But it's very sad. Yeah. Well, like, we're missing out on hot wake-up sex. That's <laughs> true. Um, <laughs> we do get a scene not too long from now, though. Uh, he gets a shower, and he gets dressed, and he's about to go downstairs, but he's worried that, like, Persephone will wake up and see that as a rejection. But then he's like, this is silly, because the relationship's gonna end soon, so how, like, why am I worried about her feeling rejected when she's fucking leaving soon? But, like, also, their relationship just started. So, like, they keep talking about how, oh, I'm leaving soon, and, like, yeah, three months is not a long time, but at the same time, she's been there for a week. So, like, yeah. they're saying, oh, she's leaving soon. In terms of how long she's been there, she's not leaving soon. She's no, going to be there for like a long time. 11 more weeks. Yeah. Yeah, 11 more weeks or something. Right? So, like, I don't understand <laughs> this whole, oh, she's leaving soon. It's like, no, she's not. Yeah. Chill out. Time. I'm sure it'll go by faster than you want, but you still got time. Yeah. This is our first time, like, first day of sex yes so So, first it's her first time waking up in his bed exactly um hades ends up going to the office next to his bedroom and he has a text message that the 13 are having a meeting at 9 a.m so he logs into it and he's 10 minutes early but everyone's always everyone's already there so it's a zoom meeting basically (laughs) which is so funny it is so funny it's like is it covid I guess it always has to be a Zoom meeting, because Zeus yeah. isn't allowed to leave his side, and Hades isn't allowed to leave his side, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, there are four screens. Obviously, one is him, and mm-hmm. one is Hermes and Dionysus, and one is Poseidon, and then the other one is everyone else. Um, all I can sits- picture is just all, so, like, there's, that's what, one, two, three, four, so that's four, nine yeah. people in one all I can Time think box. of is them, like, all squished together, like, <laughs> peeking in. Yeah. I thought you were going to say all you could picture is, like, Poseidon's in a screen by himself. All I could picture is he's just underwater. With yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> he can't even say anything because he's underwater. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Hades just sits there, and he, like, he's waiting for Zeus to start the meeting. Like, he's the one that called it, so yeah. he better start it. Just fair. I do that in meetings often. <laughs> So Zeus says, return my fiancé. But Hades counters that the treaty was honored, she ran from him, and he also, of course, brings up, like, she ran and got glass in her feet, and it was so cold, she could have died. Um, (laughs) He also says she can go back whenever she likes. Like, he's not holding her there. Mm -hmm. She is able to go. And um, Hades tries to kind of say, like, she doesn't want to come back. That's why she's still here. But Demeter says, you're defiling my baby. Oh, God. Yep. So Hades, of course, replies, like, you were willing to sell your daughter to a man who kills his wives. Which, like, he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong at all. And and somebody had to say it. Well, exactly. Um, they do go back and forth a bit. And Hades says that Persephone can come and go as she pleases, and Demeter asks for proof, and then, of course, Persephone, like, walks into the room, and then is right behind Hades, and she's just wrapped in a bedsheet, and she says, I'm where I want to be, mother. 
and she's very happy with Hades, and then she shuts the laptop. (laughs) Have you ever ever shut a laptop while you were on a call? No. I feel like it wouldn't, I feel like it wouldn't hang up. Maybe they don't need it to hang up. They're going to hear, you know. (laughs) That's true. She's going to show him just how much, show them just how much she wants to be there. Um, yeah. Anyway, so Hades is like shocked that she hung up on the 13 and she counters like they wouldn't have believed him if she didn't say it herself, which is 100% true. I I don't think she needed to hang up on them. No, but I feel like she was done with the conversation and like she didn't want anybody to be able to come back and say anything at her. Yeah. And she does say, like, she was done listening to Zeus rant, which is fair. He doesn't deserve the listens. No. Um, Then she straddles Hades, and he says they have no idea who she is. And she, like, talking about, like, the 13, have no idea who she is as a person. Yeah. And she says that neither does she. And, like, that's why she wants to get out of Olympus. She wants to, like, figure out who she is as a person. Yeah. Valid. Valid. She's, like, played the part of a perfect daughter her whole life now. So, like, not whole life, but mostly. Um, And he says that's still the plan. And even if it does, like, make him sad in his head, he's, like, he doesn't show that part. Right. And she asks to call her sisters, and he says he'll get her a phone today, and she thanks him, and then she slides down between his legs onto her knees and looks up expectantly, and then she asks him if she can have his cock. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. I just can't. can't. He... He tries to tell her that, like, she doesn't have to do this. Um, (laughs) But she says that she wants to, which, like... Great. Consent. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) She also says she wants to do everything with him, and that makes his heart (laughs) pitter-patter. And he's like, my cold, dead heart woke up that day and grew three sizes. And I'm like, are you a bitch? Oh, dear Is God. Hades the Grinch, actually? Um, possibly, who knows? Um, he didn't actually say that, but he does say that, like, it woke up something in his heart or something similar like that, which is like, that's not that's not good, dude. She's leaving. Also, it's yeah. been a week. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> it's been a week! I think we say this every week, but... No. Next week, it'll actually be longer than a week, so... Yeah, it'll be week. a month. Exactly. But this relationship, this relationship in every single retelling we've read, all two of them, um, <laughs> has has been very fast and loose, very Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> like let's jump into the deep end. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. Um. Yeah. So she takes his dick out and says. I think we're in her head right now, right? Must be. No, we're in Hades. Okay. So she says this out loud. Okay, so this is worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> she, Jesus. She says she wishes she could paint him. Just his dick? Like, you want to paint his dick? Is that what you want? <laughs> 
But, like, here's my question. There's been no preamble whatsoever. Like, he's literally in a meeting, presumably flaccid at this point, because he's in a meeting. (laughs) Well, she sat on his lap. I'm just saying, like, I just feel like he's, she's pulling his penis out of his pants. Like, is it flaccid at this point? Does she have work to do? I just, I I just, all I can think of is, like, a floppy, and I just think of her holding it and, like, flopping it around. You're like, I wish I could paint this silly thing. (laughs) Use it as a paintbrush, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. (sighs) So then she puts her mouth around him, and she asks him what he wants. How can she do that when she has it in her mouth? Listen, (laughs) I'm not a biologist. (laughs) It's like muffled, like, what? what?" (laughs) He understands. (laughs) (laughs) It's like when you're at the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, just like the dentist. (laughs) What dentist do you go to? But mine doesn't stick his dick in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. Um, he does tell her what he actually wants. He wants to fuck her mouth until she cries. Yikes. And she tells him she can take whatever he can give her. Great. So he stands up because presumably he's in an office chair mm-hmm. and he grabs her hair and then he fucks her mouth. Great. And she submits to him fully and his feelings feel overwhelming inside of him and he wants her more than anything he's ever wanted and he feels owned by her. It's like there's a lot happening just in this moment in his feelings. When you think, like, he'd just be thinking about fucking her mouth, but he's not. Um, he comes, and then he mm. pulls her up and kisses her, and then he brings her to bed. Well, and, of course. <laughs> yeah. And he tells her he has so much to do today, but then he, like, goes down on her, and she's turned on, obviously, by giving him a blowjob. And he, like, I guess picks her up and puts her on his face. So is he standing or sitting or lying? No, he, he went to the bed. He went to the bed and he he decided he wanted her to ride him now. So he laid down on the bed and put her on his face. Great. Um, yeah. I feel like you could suffocate a person doing that. One can only hope. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> She comes screaming his name, which is, I guess, new for them. She hasn't screamed his name before. Um, it's not enough for him, so he flips her over and he makes her come again. How? I think he just goes down on her again. Oh, okay. Like, I'd be a bit sensitive. Yeah. I'd be a bit like... I would be like, no, thank you. I need a moment, please. <laughs> uh... So we jump over to Persephone's point of view again, and they stay in bed until noon, until her stomach starts to growl, and Hades, the ever-mother hen, is like, fuck that, we need to go get you food. 
Yes, because she can't neglect herself like she has been. Because she's such a terrible, like, caregiver of her own own body. body. Exactly. Um, So they're in the kitchen now, and they have food. And Hermes shows up and tells Persephone that her sisters sent her. So, like, Persephone's sisters sent Hermes to give her a message. Since she hasn't gotten back to them. Mm -hmm. And then Psyche's voice comes out of Hermes' mouth. Um because Hermes is a great mimic. Magic! Yeah. It, it has to be magic. Like, how? Um, and she says to call immediately because they can't hold Callisto off much longer from, I guess, killing someone? I don't know. Going across the bridge, maybe? Uh, yeah. But, like, I feel like she could do it. Yeah. Just do it. I feel like they probably think the lower city is a lot worse than it actually is, though. That's true. Um, Hermes kind of makes a comment about Persephone and uh, Hades having sex outside of the dungeon, and Persephone's kind of jabs, Persephone kind of like jabs back about her and Dionysus and like what's going on with them. Yeah. And Hermes just kind of completely backs off because she's like, mm, that's none of your business. I get that that was none of my business, <laughs> which is, I like that. Yeah. Good boundaries can start a relationship. Uh, so Persephone goes to, like, a living room type room with, like, lots of books, library-like. Of course it is. Yeah. Every man in a romance book has a library. And it's amazing. Exactly. I bet that there's, like, ladders that slide around. Yeah. Straight up Beauty and the Beast style. Exactly. Uh, and she calls her sisters. Because she has the phone that Hades was going to give her. Yeah. Um, they're all apparently half-siblings, which is interesting. Oh. Yeah, her mother apparently had married four different men to get her power. And now that she is actually Demeter, she doesn't need a man anymore. So she has, I guess, divorced four times. Interesting. Maybe she's killed all her husbands. I don't know. I don't know if we ever get that. I can't remember. Um, so Persephone calls her sisters and she finally tells them about her deal. And they tell her that there's a rumor she was having sex with Hades in front of half of the lower city. And she admits that it's true. And Eurydice's is scandalized and oh wants... My God. Yeah, she's the youngest sister, and apparently she's been a bit sheltered, but, like, she's completely, like, flabbergasted by this, and wants to get Persephone home immediately, because, like, she's worried about her, I completely understand it, but still, we're in Persephone's head, so we know that it's fine. Is she, is she, like, do we ever find out, like, is Eurydice, is she, like, 18? 19? I don't know. Because she's the youngest, it's... Isn't it? It's Callisto and then uh, Persephone, then Psyche, and then Eurydice, right? Yes. So, like, if Persephone is turning 25, Mm -hmm. then it would maybe make sense for Psyche to be, like, 22, 23. Yeah, because four four different marriages is... Yes, yeah. So it would have to be, like, more like 21, 22, so then it would make sense again for Psyche for your DC to be 
like 19, 18, 19, 20? Yeah, if that. Because, yeah. like, I don't, maybe in this world. Well, like I said, maybe she murdered each one so it was easy to get married to a mm-hmm. new one. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if she actually had to divorce them all, like, I don't know, divorce takes a while in this world, in our world, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, Persephone tells them that she'll explain everything, but they have to listen and, like, not butt in, basically. So she does tell them everything. The only things that she kind of leaves out are Hades' history with Zeus, um, and she leaves out his scars, which I don't think she would have needed to tell them, but she thinks to herself that, like, she thinks that the scars are from the fire that killed his parents. Um, she also tells her sisters that she can actually breathe here, and, like, she feels more like herself. So she's feeling better there than yeah. she was in yeah. Ever City. Um, how do you say her name? Eurydice? That's what I've been saying. I don't know if it's right, but that's what I've been saying. Yeah, I don't know what it, it is It could either. also be Eurydice. I don't know. I just look at words and say them the way that my brain says to say them. <laughs> but yeah, so however you say her name, Eurydice is happy for, for Persephone. But Psyche wonders if it's all a trap. So I guess hearing that, Persephone actually starts to think about it. Because she's like, it really could be. So she kind of like goes through everything. And she says, she doesn't think it is because he hates Zeus. And he's not like the other 13. And her instincts tell her that she's safe around him. Mm-hmm. Uh Then she tells them about their mother's ultimatum, um, but they already know about it because apparently she's been ranting about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yurdici says that their mother is worried and loves them, um, and she tells Persephone that their mother is apparently cleaning, which she only does when she's worried, and apparently it's like her only tell. (laughs) Which is like... I guess, um, um, Persephone, like, kind of is like, oh, shit, if she's cleaning, that actually does mean she's worried, and she understands that, but she also knows, knows, like, she knows her mother loves her, she just cares. Oh, I lied. Eurydice. Eurydice. Okay. My bad. All good. I guess we were both saying it bad, so. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so Persephone's like, her mother's definitely worried. She does love her, but she just cares more about her power and, like, the plans that she is trying to put in motion for herself and her daughters. Right before they hang up, her sisters say, don't worry about us. We have everything handled. And Persephone kind of realizes that she should have been worried about them. Yeah. And they just hang up, and she's like, fuck. So she calls back, and Psyche answers alone. Um, And she does tell Persephone that there are people following each of them, so each of the sisters. And Psyche thinks that Zeus is trying to make sure that they don't flee, and that, like, Persephone can also tell that Psyche is scared of this situation of being followed and of her sisters being followed, which makes sense. Um, Persephone asks if they think that they'll just sub a different 
one of the sisters in now that she's gone? Like, will a different sister have to marry Zeus? Mm. Which, which is, which would be interesting. <laughs> Just be like, <laughs> Persephone 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> Want a okay. different sister? Here you go. Sorry, we announced it would be Persephone, but now it's actually going to be a different one. Like, you can't just sub a person in. Um, and that's kind of what they say. Their psyche's like, they kind of painted themselves into a corner by, like, doing it so publicly, and they would just look like fools if they switched the sister now, which is yeah. completely fair. Um, psyche thinks that Zeus is going to trick Persephone into coming back across the river Styx, and she tries to make Persephone promise not to come back no matter what happens and she even says like don't come back for us like no matter what happens don't come back for us type thing um but persephone is like finally starting to worry because obviously zeus has a reputation for a reason and she knows her mother wouldn't put them in harm's way but how far will zeus go to get her back this is a real issue yes so Persephone kind of starts to spiral, um, but her like psych does, psyche does start to like push back, and she's she's been pushing back this whole time. She says they're all coping in different ways, and Persephone's plan has always been to leave. So like, why should this change anything? Yeah, but that doesn't really stop her from feeling super selfish and horrible after the call is over. Yeah. And, like, valid, but at the same time, I do agree. Like, she's always been planning on leaving. Like, what did she think would happen after she left? I feel like, not that she's wrong for wanting to leave. I don't feel that way. But I I do feel like if she really wanted to leave, she should have thought about this a bit more. Yes, I completely agree. And, like, obviously, you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. It's like, I get that, but still, her mother is such a big power player. Obviously, she couldn't have just left without there being consequences for anybody else. So, yeah, a bit short-sighted. Yeah. But also, she's twenty-four, so older than most of our heroines, but still young. Yes, still brain only fully develops around then. So, yeah. Um. Okay. So we move on to Hades POV. Uh, he's busy preparing his city, um, well, he's thinking about how he has prepared his city for any possible disruptions, um, and he's put, like, everybody on high alert, and by possible disruptions, he means sort of supply disruptions. Um, so he goes to find Persephone, uh, he says that he's tired and he wants to see her, which is, like... I'm not saying a red flag, but, like, this is a flag here that maybe his feels are more deep than surface level. Yeah. More deep than he wants to admit. Mm-hmm. So, she's in the library reading a book in a new dress. She's all curled up on a couch. So cute. And, like, I don't get... So, he starts to imagine himself that this could be his life. That she would greet him at the end of every day, and instead of him going to his bedroom alone, she would be there. But, like, he knows he can't think like that because their situation is temporary. But, like, I don't understand how we literally just, like, again, did I miss, did I miss, like, was there a time jump that I missed? (laughs) No. 
or like I feel crazy that like I feel like I'm like I missed something yeah you didn't this is just this is it <laughs> okay that's where we are <laughs> great so he goes to her and like he moves her legs and puts her legs back on him and sits next to her and he can see that she's upset so he asks her what's wrong and she sort of tells him about the message she got from her sisters and, like, talking to them and what happened and what they said and stuff. And she says that she feels guilty. Because she started this whole thing by wanting to be free. Um, and now she's worrying about her sisters. And she's afraid that she's made their situation worse by trying to escape her own situation. And now she's starting to second guess that maybe she should have just gone along with her mother's plans. Which is funny because, like, a few chapters ago, when they were in the throne, on the throne, he was like, oh, I should have done something about her sisters. She's so worried about her sisters. And I was like, how does he know what she's worried about? But apparently she wasn't worried about her <laughs> sisters. She didn't fucking think about it. Mm, yeah, that's... Now she is. Now but she is, yes. she apparently wasn't. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he tries to reassure her and says... That her sisters are more than capable of handling things if they are anything like her. Yeah. It's like, it's sweet, but at the same time, sort of, really, come on. You can't say that. You don't know her. It's been a week. (laughs) Yeah. So then he asks her if she wants to get out of the house for a bit. And she says, like, absolutely yes. Like, it's (laughs) not a question. So they get ready and they go out. Uh, it's a surprise. He's, he hasn't told her where they're going. So that means that they have to walk down the street holding hands so he can direct her in the right, in the right, pull her in the right direction. Yes. Uh, he thinks that maybe he should let go of her hand, but he doesn't want to. He likes it, so he just doesn't. And I feel like this is hearkening back to, like, was it last week or maybe even the week before when, remember, he, like, at their first encounter, like, their, when they were first starting to, like, have quote-unquote sex, and he really wanted to stay with her, but he made himself get up and leave. Oh, right. I think that was the first week when they had their first kiss, and he was like... Yeah. He was like, I want to have sex, she wants to have sex, but I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't want to give in, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't want her to have control over them. Yeah. I feel like this is sort of a callback to that, but instead of, like, letting go, like, he knows he should he keeps holding on. Yeah. So we're getting, like, character evolution a little bit, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah, that's a good call. Good job. Um, he asks her, like, if she's nervous, because, like, she hasn't really explored the Lower City before, and, like, I guess the reputation is that the Lower City is, like, a bit rough. Like, you're in the wrong side of town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he asks, like, is she nervous being out and around? And she's like, no, not at all. Like, you're with me and you won't let anything happen to me. And it's like, oh, darling. Like, it's not wrong. But he is, like, staggered at the um, at that statement and that she has so much trust and mm-hmm. faith in him. And I'm just like, of course. Like, it just... I want to eye roll because it's always... That's always the way it is. Yeah. The man is always like, oh my god, you're putting so much trust and faith in me, and that is amazing. Yeah. When, like, in most situations, I'm like, oh, you're a strong man. 
you'd probably beat someone up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, they stop at a warehouse, and of course there are those like column things with the intricate designs on them, and they notice it. Um, and he thinks about how like he actually would commit unforgivable acts to keep her safe. And all, I just, I'm sorry, we keep saying it over and over again. It's been a week. It's been a week. It's been a week. It's been a week. It's been a week! It's only been a week. I'm done now. Is it the whole book? Like, Should we just? <laughs> yeah. We're just done now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they go into the warehouse, and it's an indoor market that's bustling, and there's people, and there's stalls everywhere, and it's inside because it's winter. Uh, in the summertime, they'll set up outside, but for now, it's the winter, so it's inside. And she's amazed because. There's all kinds of stalls for food and trinkets and everything. And it just sounds very idyllic. Yeah. I'd like to go. (laughs) I would also like to go. But I'm also Uh, like, of course they have this. Yeah. Right? And of course it's like perfectly successful and like, you know, even though it's in a beat up part of town, there's lots of people everywhere. I guess. Anyway. So she's like super excited about it, wants to explore, and he is really excited that she is excited. He's like, wow, like she's really into this. I love it. <laughs> uh, so she asks him, like, take me to your favorite food stall. And he says, it feels like he's sharing another piece of himself that only she gets to see. And it's like she sees the real him, not the ruler of the lower city or a member of the 13, but but him. Hades, him. I just rolled my eyes harder than I ever could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Such a man. Nobody understands him. Yeah. So they go to a Euro stall, of course. And they talk to the guy whose name is Damien. Of course, Hades knows his name. Uh, His family has been serving Euros for five generations. And he says he remembers going to the stall as a teenager and seeing Damien work with his dad. And, like, he envied that father-son relationship considering his dad was dead and he didn't get to see that. (laughs) You didn't get to see him. You wouldn't want to see him. He didn't get to experience that, I guess. Right, like that father-son relationship. Yeah. Anyway, so they get their euros, they go sit down to eat, and Persephone is like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. She moans, because it's so uh, tasty. I know. And it's like, I want that. Like, send me one. Yeah. Any food that is good enough to make you moan, give me. I want to try it. Yeah. Like, I've had good food, but I don't know if I've ever, like, had bone-inducing food. No, I don't either. I don't think I would ever do that, because I'd be too self-conscious. I would if I was home. Oh, home, yeah. Just, like, who's making food that good? Although, I guess usually the food at home is better than restaurants, so. Yeah. So, it is a, yeah. 
I, but like seriously, if this market was that close, I would eat there every day. Yeah, why? If there why were not? so many different places, mm-hmm. it would be amazing. So, they Hades tells Persephone as they sit and eat that he comes here at least once a week, uh, and that he likes interacting with the population and he likes the chaos. He says he finds it normal. Another glimpse into the life of Hades. Which is just, it's so different from his house. Like, his house is very orderly and non-chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. So they finish eating and they explore the market. He thinks about how if they were normal people, this could be a date. And this could be them ten, like, not ten. But he says this could be them years down the road. Like, they could be doing the same thing if they were normal. But they aren't normal. They're not regular people. So in a couple of months, like he actually says, a couple of months, (laughs) Persephone will be gone. And in 10 years, he could be doing this exact same thing alone. And she'll be far away living the life she was meant to live in the sun. Because there's nobody else in the entire universe that could love him like she does. Apparently not. I guess. <laughs> anyway, by the time they're done, an hour later, apparently Persephone has charmed all the vendors and bought a bunch of stuff. How did she buy stuff? His money. Hades bought stuff, okay? Yeah. So they start to walk back to the house, and he can tell she's exhausted because her one little hour outside with her feet has tuckered her out so that even a week later she is still affected by it. But she can have multiple orgasms and it's fine. Mm. So her walking around now for an hour has made her so tired, he has to pick her up and carry her the rest of the way home. (laughs) Yep. Can I just, like... (laughs) If you... (laughs) I'm not even commenting on how tired she is from this shit, but I would never want somebody to carry me in public unless it was like piggyback style and it was like a fun time. And then I would probably be like, okay, now I'll carry you. Like, <laughs> like I was damn town once and a random guy was like, you want to give me a piggyback ride? I was like, fuck yeah, jump on. I don't give a fuck. Like, I can't imagine being picked up bridal style, I'm assuming. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming. Everyone would be like, is she okay? <laughs> but then think about it, too. So, like, not only is he carrying her, what about all her bags? Oh, true. So, like, he's so big and strong, he can carry her plus all of the bags of things that she bought at the st- at the market. I guess maybe they just get them delivered because he's VIP. No, it tells it talks about her ca- with her arms full of stuff oh. as they leave. Oh, yeah, I, but I'm way more eye roll at the fact that like it has been like a week ish, and they were out for an hour, and she's already tired because her feet still hurt, and she could have died. Yeah. I think we're very jaded based on where we live. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
We've walked back to your house in the tiniest of dresses and the highest of heels. Yeah. In, in January. Yes. It's been, it's been cold. But it's been fine. Yeah. We yeah. got up the next morning and went to work. <laughs> like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. <sighs> so, yeah. So they get back to the house and he's still carrying her and she asks him to take her to bed and implies, I don't know how the sentence, take me to bed, implies his bed, but it does. I think he, maybe it's not this time, at one point he like, is like, your bed or mine? I don't but think I don't he said that. This, yeah. But then he asks if she wants her things to be brought up to his room and she doesn't want to be like presumptuous or pushy and is like oh I don't know like only if you're sure and he's sort of like if I didn't want you to then I wouldn't ask so she's like that's not how the world works though people ask things all the time that they don't want yeah it's true so she says oh okay then well then yes yeah um and then she tries to like haul him right into bed um but he tells her like put your stuff away first like i have to make my rounds so he has this routine where he has to go and check all the doors and all the windows to make sure everything is locked and the place is like secure and she just says okay then uh And he wasn't expecting that. He thought that she would ask, well, why? Considering he's got, like, this crazy security system. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't ask why. She just accepts that he has to do it. And again, like, how much have we not seen? Because how is she supposed to know he's got a crazy security system? Yeah, really, though. Like, I I didn't think we got that many jumps and or laps of time. Not yet, we haven't. I guess, like, the but first day But it seems day like we he, have. Yeah, the first day he, like, brought her home and carried her, he just looked at a camera and got into the room, like, the door, like, unlocked for him. But how was she supposed to notice that that was happening? She was hypothermic and had glass in her feet. So, like... Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, so um, he goes and checks everything. He sort of knows that he wouldn't be able to sleep until he checked everything. And um, when he comes, finally comes back to the room, Persephone's asleep, of course. Because the day was so taxing. So taxing. <laughs> uh, he gets in bed, and she's, like, cuddled to on her side, sort of little spoon style. Um, yeah. Like it? And, uh, he sort of, like, thinks that she looks so inviting. Like, she looks like he just, she just wants him to cuddle up next to her, even though she's sleeping and has no conscious thought about what You're making me think that this is not good. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. It's not bad. It's just like he's literally thinking about how she looks like so cuddleable. Cuddleable is not a word, but like I liked it. 
So she looks so cuddly. Cuddly is a word. God. And he's like, oh, but just because she looks so cuddly doesn't mean I should cuddle her because she's not a big cuddler. She already said that. I don't remember her saying it. She sure Apparently she did. she did. Yeah, I think she I, did. I don't know if it was week one or even if it was last week. I can't remember. But she yeah. did say she's not a big cuddler. I'm, I'm sure she did because they said she did. But I just don't remember yeah. it happening. Um, anyway, so he gets in bed. And that must have woken her up, at least subconsciously, because she scoots back into him and, like, like sidles right up to him and grabs his arm and brings it around so that they're cuddling and says goodnight. And he realizes that she has changed his life. <laughs> it's big words. Big words. Big. Yeah. Big words. So, skip to Persephone's POV. Now we get the time jump. Weeks pass. And essentially they're just waiting for Demeter and Zeus to make a move. But they don't. And Persephone's just happy to, like, explore Hades' house. One room at a time because she wants to get to know the man who owns it. And... During this time, they also visit the indoor market a little bit. They visit other hidden gems in the lower city. And she, like, loves it all. She's, like, loving getting to know the city and the man. Uh, so, <laughs> I know. So she's sitting on the couch reading a book. And she's watching as he's doing some work on his laptop. And she thinks about how they could be normal people. And she would be content to continue on like this. But they aren't normal. So this is a running theme about how they they keep going back to if I was normal, if you were normal, if we were normal. Like, they, they talk about that a lot. Yeah. Um, and, like, no, they're not 100% normal, but they're normal-ish. Yeah, like, I feel like this issue, they could have a conversation. And they could also... <laughs> this may answer to everything. Can we just have, have a, a conversation? conversation? But I'm also the first person that's like, uh, I don't want to have a conversation with somebody about that because it's so hard. And awkward. So, and awkward. <laughs> so, like, I also get it. But... Yeah. Yeah. Like, they could be... They could be normal. They're walking around the street and people are treating them normal. Like... Yeah. It's very easy to be normal. So he asks her what she's thinking about, and she says, essentially, that he hasn't taken her back to his sex dungeon. Sorry. <laughs> and says that people aren't taking them seriously as a couple because he hasn't treated her like he would treat, I guess, one of his normal... Sex slaves? Yeah, partners, uh, you know. I, don't, I feel like... He's treating her better. Like he would treat somebody he cares about, and that should worry them more. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I mean, I doubt he's gotten any of his other partners or participants to, like, sleep exclusively in his bed with him. And move their shit into his room. Yeah. Is this actually Agamath? Because, like... 
little bit, I think. Yeah, just I think she's pulled from a lot of sources. Well, yeah. It's hard not to when you've read things, so. Yeah, and especially when things are good and you like them. Like, it is hard not to put a little bit, sprinkle a little bit in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, He sort of tells her, like, he hasn't wanted to share her with the visitors from the upper city. But then he sort of admits, like, she's right. Maybe Zeus and Demeter haven't done anything because they haven't forced them to. But I'm sort of like, why would you want to force them to do anything? Like, if the, if what you, if what they're threatening to do is, like, war, supply cuts, why would you want to force them to do that? Yeah. And especially, like, Persephone's the one that brings this up, and her whole goal is just to leave when she turns 25. It's in her best interest to just skate under the radar until she's 25 and then get the fuck out. Yeah. Like, I know that she cares about Hades and she wants Hades to get his revenge. But worry about yourself. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, he touches her ankle. Her ankle. Sexy. (laughs) But (laughs) she gets turned on instantly. She's, like, immediately wet and ready. (laughs) Wet and ready? What is that? Hot and ready? Caesar's pizza? Is that is that the place? What is? Uh... <laughs> Hot and ready. Oh god. <laughs> anyway, so she thought that the wanting of him would fade with time, and fade with time. Like they've been together for a month. At most, yeah. A bare month. Yeah, maybe. But she says, if anything, it's gotten worse because she knows what his what he can do to her body. And so, like, him touching her just, like, instantly turns her on. This next bit is probably one of the most awkward things I've ever read in a sex scene. So all he says to her, and I had to reread it a couple of times for because I was like, am I missing something? All he says is... Show me. Like, literally, that's it. He says, show me. So she hikes her dress up and to show him that she's wearing panties. And he's like, oh, you're being a good girl today. Like, because she has panties on. And again, like, I felt like I was missing something. And apparently I'm not. (laughs) Because I sort of, like, focus more on this section just because I was the one taking the notes for it. So I didn't focus as much on your section. So I was thinking something must have sort of happened in your section to warrant this callback of her being a good girl for having panties on. Oh, I think, remember the first week when they were, they went to the sex dungeon for their practice play? And she yeah. had nothing on underneath her dress when he took it off. And she was like, I, I'm guessing that's a callback to that. But, like, I feel like it should, like, he didn't express that he disliked that. So why <laughs> would he call this being a good girl? I thought he liked it when she had no panties on. I think so. Yeah, I think anyway. it's just like a, I, th- I think it's a callback to that. Or, like... Apparently wearing panties means you're a good girl. 
<laughs> Wonderful. I'll inform everybody right away. <laughs> so he he says like, oh, so you're being a good girl. And then she pulls her panties to the side just to like flash him her vagine. <laughs> As in, here's my vagine and Do with then it goodbye. What you yeah. Uh, so then he, like, settles in between her legs, and he starts to kiss her over the panties. And then he tells her they're gonna have a party the next night to put so on a show. So does he pull it back? Because, like, I, I just listened to this part, because I was like, this is your part, I'm just gonna listen to it. But she pulls it to the side, and shows off her vagina. And then, and then he, he pulls it back, and just yeah. is like, no. No. I don't, no, I don't think it's, I think she just, like, flashes it and then, like, replaces. Like, I don't think it's a, I don't want to see that. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Because, yeah, I was like, wait, what? what? How is he over it? She just pulls it to the side. How is he still? Touching? I guess she let go and it snapped back into place. Yeah. They fit yeah. her perfectly because they were tailor-made for her body. Yeah. So I guess it's fair. Yes. So, yeah, so he tells her next night they're going to be putting on a show. Like, he's going to have a gathering the next night. And he asks what she wants at the party. And he starts to move the panties to be able to lick her out properly. And she's, like, getting lost in the pleasure of it all. uh, And can't think. But she also doesn't want to say what she really wants. So he stops. Because their relationship can't work without open and honest conversation. <laughs> sure. What do you say? Anyway, so it takes a little bit of cajoling from him. But she finally tells him that she wants to be the one on the stage while he fucks her in front of everyone. Where he claims her for everyone to see. But she also, like, doesn't really like asking him that because she knows that she knows that he doesn't like to be exposed like that. But he doesn't. And I'm assuming. No. And I'm assuming he she's referring to, like, his scars and stuff. Yeah. So uh, he assures her that, like, while she belongs to him, there is nothing he wouldn't give her. Except for the lights on. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so he pulls her so that she is sitting on his lap, facing away from him, and starts to finger her. And he tells her that, like, to like, if she wants to fuck on the stage on the dais, like he he'll like it too because, like, he'll get off on it because she likes it. So, like, he's he's not normally an on the stage performer. Like, that's not normally his kink, but. Because she wants it, he's going to get turned on by it. But, like, he was serious the first time they spoke about it, about them being on the stage. Because he had to make calls to change it, because he was like, she's not comfortable. So, like, I don't understand why she thinks he won't do it. Also, he doesn't need to take his clothes off for that. He just needs to whip his dick out. Yeah. And apparently it's a nice one, because she wants to paint it. She does want to paint it. She wants to paint it, <laughs> flaccid and all. 
So, yeah. So then all of a sudden he bends her over the couch and he moves her panties halfway down her legs. And she says that it's almost like a light form of bondage because she can't spread her legs as far apart as she needs to. So he grabs a condom. And I actually do really enjoy that she mentions, the author mentions the use of condoms all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Uh, because so many... So many romance stories do not, and the men are still, like, ejaculating all over the place inside, and then women still don't get pregnant. Yeah. Unless it's to serve the story. Just saying. So, uh, anyway, so he grabs a condom, and then he fucks her, and he tells her he's gonna do whatever he wants to her pussy. I hate that. Uh. <laughs> In public or in private. Because she is his. And she then sort of responds with like, well, if she is his, then he is hers too. And yeah. (laughs) Anyway, then she comes. And he also comes. Because he liked that. And he immediately grabs her and lifts her up and brings them to their room. And they're going to have sex again. Their room. Their room, yes. Uh, He goes to turn off the lights and she asks him to leave them on so that she could see him take his clothes off. And he sort of hesitates. So she sees that, like, he doesn't really want to. So she says, okay, no, never mind. It's completely fine. Forget I said anything. And not, like, in a passive-aggressive, like, no, forget I said anything sort of a way, but in a genuine, like, no, if you're not comfortable, don't worry about it. Um, but he says it's okay, and he does it, and he has a bunch of scars from, I guess, when his house was set on fire, and so she tells him that he is beautiful to her, and that the scars are just a reminder of all he survived, and that he would win against Zeus, and he says he doesn't want to win, he just wants Zeus dead. I just don't know why he doesn't just go kill him. Yeah, I know. Or get someone to kill him. Yeah. Just someone you're not connected with. Yeah, it doesn't seem that hard. No. Anyway. So, move on. Hades POV again. He loves waking up first thing in the morning to Persephone, like, wrapped around him. Apparently she's not a cuddler, but she super is. Yeah. I would hate it. Only with the right person. I would hate it. I hate cuddling. Not when I'm awake, but when I'm asleep. I just move too much that I'm like, thrash, thrash, thrash. And then anybody in bed with me is like, why do you keep waking me up, you motherfucker? You know. Yeah. Normal shit. Of course. Uh, so she looks at him. Uh, I guess she wakes up and looks at him and his heart thumps because he knows he's falling for her. And it's a little bit more believable after a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he thinks about how she acts as though the scars don't repulse her and how she would be the first. I just don't understand what kind of person would be repulsed by scars. Like, they're a part of your body. Why on earth would you, like, if you're, I just don't understand how you would, like, actively, and, like, how you would show somebody that you think their scars are gross. Yeah. 
I just think, like, I get that if you have extensive burns to your body, it does change how your body looks, for sure. So I I understand 100% being self-conscious about that, but, like, we've talked about scars many times, (laughs) but, like, I... I can't imagine caring about someone's scars, but well, that's I, what I, mean. I can also imagine feeling self-conscious about them. Yes, that's what I mean. Like, 100% I understand where he's coming from if he's self-conscious, but he literally talks about how he uh, had a partner who was a, another man and yeah. had a strong response to his scars. So Hades decided he wouldn't, let his partner see that anymore because Mm -hmm. that former partner had such a strong negative response so that's really what i mean like how can somebody if you are having sex with someone and they are getting you all hot and bothered like why does a scar on their why do scars on their body matter yes but men Mm. i think that's the issue okay (laughs) sure no, I, I know, like, I can't imagine if you were, yeah. Yeah. But like, sometimes, if you feel self-conscious about something, you can also project it on other people as well. So I don't know yeah. if it was, like, a hundred, like, obviously, we, we don't have that scene. We don't know. But, like, sometimes if you feel like you're insecure about something and then somebody sees it and they don't react the way you want to see even if it's neutral, you could take it as bad, but. Yeah. Um, so they chat a little bit, like, you know, pillow talk about the supplies in the lower city and how, like, Demeter has made good on, on the supply threat. Um, and supplies are dwindling, but Hades has prepared for this and he has stockpiled a bunch of stuff just in case. And she sort of can't believe her mother would be that cruel and, like, subject innocent people to these supply problems and thinks that, like, maybe she has been selfish and sort of ran without even thinking. And, like, maybe, but, you know, you kind of, like, you got to take care of you first. And, like, she was literally like vomiting over the thought of him touching of Zeus touching her. So I feel like, you know, yeah, it was probably this only smart solution here. Yeah. I think like this came up in one of my parts, I think maybe last week as well, Mm -hmm. but I was like, she's reading too much into how her mother is and how she thinks that like, she's similar. And it was probably also because she like, wants to still love her mother it's hard it's a hard relationship so yeah so i guess he asks like if she trusts him and she says of course which of course claws his heart up even more that she trusts him so much um and then he thinks about how he never thought that when she left she would take his heart with her (laughs) i know he didn't even have a heart yesterday apparently not So she changes the subject and says, like, it it just, like, completely comes out of left field. 
her changing the subject. It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She tells him that she would like to stop using condoms. And he is like, really? And sort of like, she's like, yeah, of course. And he says that he assures her that he is tested regularly for STD, STI, sorry. And she tells him that she was tested after her last partner. And she was all clean. And she also has an IUD. And he is, like, really, really wants to, but sort of wants to assure her that, you know, she doesn't have to do this. But I'm thinking, why would she ask? She brought it up. If she didn't want to, why would she, why would she ask? He's very, I don't know, like, in his whole life people have lied to him because of who he is. That's the only thing that I can understand. But I'm like, sir, she brought up having sex with you to get back at Zeus. She's bringing up having sex with you without a condom. Like, these are her decisions. Give her the benefit of her decisions. (laughs) Yeah, of, like, knowing what she wants. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so... Him asking her, like, saying, oh, you don't really have to do this if you don't want to. This sort of makes her stop and question and be like, well, if you're more comfortable using condoms, like, it's absolutely fine. Like, because it seemed like he was almost too, like, are you sure? Are you sure? We don't have to if you don't want to. Like, are you sure? So she was like, dude, if you don't want to, it's okay. Everything is fine. Yeah. And that made him really shocked and surprised because he says that he's always the dominant one so he is always the one assuring other people's comfort levels but like so he loves the fact that Persephone is considering his comfort as well uh yeah so she's not like other girls nope so he tells her like yes he really wants to but if she ever decides to change her mind just say the word and immediately she's on top of him and it starts to have sex. <laughs> like, he's... He literally <laughs> is just like, just say the word and I'll change if you change your mind. And she's like, nope, okay, we're going for it. <laughs> and he's turned on by the amount of trust she's placed in him and neither of them lasts very long. It's like minute, two minutes tops, they're both coming. And I think sh- they get up to go shower and she initially wants to, like, stick around and, like, have sex more and, like, just be lazy in bed. But he says, well, how about we go to the greenhouse? And I think you introduced the greenhouse last week. Yeah. And she really wants to go. She loves it. It's, like, her new favorite place. So she's like, oh, okay. So, like, all thoughts of sex are out the window now. Um, so they go to the greenhouse for a little bit, then they go visit some of the stores to sort of, like, check in on supplies and just, like, Hades so that he can, like, talk to some of the store owners and stuff like that. Uh, and Persephone sees a pet store and wants to go in. So they do. And the lady who owns the store asks Hades if he's finally decided to adopt a dog and tells Persephone that she's been bugging him to adopt a dog so he's not lonely in his big old house by himself and she's like normally we don't stock dogs in this pet store but lucky for you i found a box of puppies left by the bridge so i have a box of puppies (laughs) 
And I'm like, of course, what a coincidence. <laughs> um, so it's like a little box of like little black puppies and Persephone loves them immediately. And while Hades doesn't really want to care, like he, he obviously thinks they're real cute and whatever. Yeah. So, um, Persephone manages to persuade him to take one because she thinks it will make him happy and she wants him to have something because she isn't permanent in his life. So she wants him to have something with him so that he's not alone when she leaves him. Yeah. And he is very easily swayed. He is. But he does not take much. It's, it's actually wild. Puppies are a lot of work. Yes. (laughs) Just have a child. Like. But like, this is what I mean. Like, she is making the decision to have puppies and then she's just going to abandon them with him. Like, that doesn't seem fair. So Hades. So like, she thinks that, you know, he's going to take one of the puppies and then he's like, Oh, but the puppy will be lonely without his brothers, sisters, whatever. Let's take all of them. Which I also am like, yeah, yeah, it's probably true. But also, I wouldn't do it. No. But I mean, I guess if you had a huge house, a staff that cleaned up after you and you didn't have to worry about money. Yeah. I, I still wouldn't get dogs. <laughs> no, I know. I'd get but something that's... else, but sure. I yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so they take all three of the puppies and they buy all the supplies and everything and then they bring everything back to the house. And But also wait, sorry, the the lady who owns the store also doesn't like Persephone at first, but then Persephone like wins her over with her love of dogs. Yeah. Like why are we why are we pitting women against women all the time? And like it's not really as much, but like, yeah, I I think it's meant to show that like they care so much about Hades that they think that she is using him in a way. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, so they take all three puppies, bring them back home, and Persephone does. She realizes that she does think of his house, of Hades' house, as home now so much more of a home than her mother's high rise and then she thinks that like this causes panic for her because she thinks that this can't be her home because she's worked too hard and sacrificed too much not to leave Mm -hmm. and that staying means she's trading one beautiful cage for another I don't really get it. Like, what, how has she, what has she worked hard and sacrificed in order to leave? Her sisters. I guess, (laughs) but that was really only in the past, like, month. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's more like she played her part the whole time because she knew she'd be able to leave, but, like, now she can't. So, I'm sure. Not really sure. Anyway, so she can't stay. Mm-hmm. And that's then we skip over now to Hades POV. So it's the night. Tonight is the night mm-hmm. that they have their big party. 
and their plan is for them to be up on the dais having sex and Persephone is like dressed real fancy um and Hades had been essentially like playing with the puppies all day but when he sees her all dolled up and ready to go he sees he see, he thinks she looks stunning and just like a queen and she asks about names for the puppies and just one guess what <laughs> names one of them so he says he names the biggest one Cerberus, of course. But he wants her to name the other two. And she sort of doesn't think it's a good idea because she'll be leaving. And she doesn't, I guess, want to get attached. But he says if they were different people, he would move heaven and earth to get her to stay. And she responds that, and he sort of also says, like, he would beg her to stay. And she responds that if they were, if, if they were different people, he wouldn't have to beg. She wouldn't want to stay. But they are different people. So, or they aren't different people. It's like, she's 24. Let her leave for, like, a two-year sabbatical and then come back. Yeah. yeah. Like, she really only wants to go get her master's degree or something, doesn't she? Yeah, exactly. Let her go get her master's, do a long-distance bitch, and then... Come back. Yeah, by bitch, I mean, like, relationship, I don't mean... Yeah. Sleep with someone else you know. while she's gone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> unless you want to, if that's what you guys are into, do whatever you want. Yeah. So he admits, Hades admits to himself that he loves her, but he refuses. He's not going to beg her to stay because he doesn't want to be one of her jailers. So that's why he's not going to tell her that he loves her because he's afraid that this declaration would cause her to stay. So he loves her enough to let her go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she is terrible at naming things because she named the other two puppies and this just shows that they, she should not have babies. Uh, so the other two puppies are named Charybdis and Scylla. Scylla. Scylla's not too bad, but Charybdis is weird. Yeah. Anyway. They go to the sex room. (laughs) Uh, and they're sort of, like, hesitating at the door, and Persephone admits that she's sort of more nervous than she thought she would be, and Hades assures her, like, she doesn't have to do this if she doesn't want to. In other words, sex in the spotlight, like, up on the dais. And then she asks if they can play it by ear instead, like, just see how she feels. So he says, yes, absolutely. So they go into the room and the place is packed. Um, but they go to the throne and as they're walking to the throne, Hades feels Persephone get like more stiff and he sees her put on her sunny mask sort of persona. Mm -hmm. So when they go sit down, he decides that she's not ready again. And that it's a bad idea to go on the the dais. So he tells her, like, change your plans. I don't want to fuck you on stage tonight. And she's, like, relieved. So she just asks, like, if she can suck his cock instead. (laughs) So she gets on her knees and sucks him off. And, of course, he's so big, she's choking on it. But she loves it. However, because she's choking a little bit, her eyes are watering and she's gagging. So everyone sees that 
And Haiti sort of sees some people looking at her with pity, like, as in they really think that he's, like, forcing this on her. And he hates that. Like, he is, like, starting to get out of it, which I wonder if he's maybe starting to go a little softy. 100%. Because he's starting, right? Like, he's like, shit, I don't like that, like, they planned it sort of this way. But he doesn't like how it makes him he- feel to know that certain people could think that of him. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so he's hating it, but Persephone notices because she's very perceptive and reminds him that this night is just the two of them. It's just about the two of Even them. Even though everybody's watching and it's about everybody else. Even though everyone's watching, yeah. Uh, anyway, that brings him back into it. And he manages to, like, come in her mouth. And, of course, she swallows and then stands up and, like, wipes her mouth a little bit. And he wants to show her that he loves her, even though he can't, like, he can't voice it. So he wants to show her. And, yeah, and decides that she deserves to be worshipped because she looks like a goddess. And so he hauls her up and he sits on her. He sits her on the throne and he gets on his knees now. It's her his turn. Woo! Yeah. And that's where we end this week. Oh. Katie's on his knees. Wow. About to do know. something. We don't know. We don't know what yeah, he's going to do. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know we what he's going to do. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's going to be pretty hot, but again, I don't know. Not sure. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah. It's a good, it was a very sexy week this week. It was a very sexy week this week. Lots of spice. Yeah, but. Good spice. Yeah, I like, I like the spice. I feel like, um, I missed it a little bit. And I, I, I miss it all the time, but I feel like in From Blood and Ash last week, Mm-hmm. The next book in that series is a lot spicier. Um, but this one, it like, you know, it didn't really get spicy until the end. Yeah. yeah. So this one, I like that it's, you know, a decent amount of spice most of the way through. Yeah. Completely agree. I, I just, I'm a fan of, especially when I just want spicy shit, I do read Katie Roberts books. Hmm. I gotta get, I, like... I have to read some of her other stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that wraps it up for this week. If you want to get in touch with us and share your thoughts on anything you heard in any of our episodes, or if you have any book suggestions for the podcast, or just in general, um, you can email us at coffeeandcoread at gmail.com, and be sure to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at coffeeandcoread. Uh, yeah, so next week we're going to be finishing Neon Gods. May is over. What? Uh, <laughs> chapters 24 to the epilogue. I love an epilogue. Mm-hmm. So make sure to follow along. And if you're enjoying our little chats, don't forget to follow, rate, and review wherever you find our content. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you on the next page. 